ladies and gentlemen, in the blue corner, standing at a sleek, 5 foot 11, 245 pounds, the tumultuous tempest of technique, Thomas Lilly. And in the red corner, at a curvaceous, 5 foot 11, 315 pounds, the jovial juggernaut of judgment, John Cheryl Sheridan. A meeting of the masters of mastication. Turn your attention as they delve deep into all things lifting and more. This is Peak Speak. And we're back with exciting news. Yes, we are now professional. We have a sponsor for the show, which is awesome for us, but even more awesome for you. Indeed, because who doesn't love a sweet, sweet online shopping discount code? And in this case, it's an online shopping discount code that gets you delicious coffee delivered to your doorstep. From our good friends, Prism Coffee, who are four Canberra lads who I've known for a while. Uh, who've all worked in and around the specialty coffee industry for some time now and now uh, out on their own they've got a roaster they're roasting beans uh, and just generally kicking ass with delicious coffee so john how do the people get this amazing discount you speak of go to their website which is prismcoffee.com.au pick from the couple of different blends and some single origins that they've got. You can get it ground, you can get it in whole beans if you prefer to grind your own. They've got all of the options. Uh, and then you use the code PEAKSPEAK in the discount bit of the shopping cart and uh, you'll get a sneaky 10% off and it'll rock up on your doorstep in some amount of time. I don't remember exactly what it is, but I think they express post everything, so hopefully quickly. Perfect. Amazing. And well, that's it. Without further ado, here's, here's the episode. Yeah. Enjoy. Presented by Thomas Lilly and John Sheridan, Baby Cry in the Background, not included. We, we are recording. recording. Unfortunately, I've already opened my can of monster oh, for this I episode. I thought that was the whole point. No, well, if you hadn't pushed our time back an hour, it would have been fine. But my, my caffeine needs surpassed uh, my desire to have a cool can opening sound effect at the front of our podcast. Mm. Well, <laughs> we could just get Sam to edit a good one in. We could. He's a wizard. He is. He put a coffee intro in without us knowing about it for like half a dozen or more episodes. I'm pretty sure we knew about it. I'm pretty sure we just didn't I had think no, about it. I had no knowledge of it. Well, we recorded it. Yeah, but I don't think we recorded it. I think that was just the first time we did it. I don't think we ever recorded it separately. I, I really... I, either this, way. Yeah, anyway, here we are. <laughs> here we are, uh, talking I, about our own bullshit at the start of our podcast because none, <laughs> none of us can think of a topic. I apologize to the listeners today for my huskiness. I feel like I'm either losing my voice or something. My voice is just weak today, but it's kind of got this raspy sort of like... Sensual undertones. Yeah, maybe I've been mm. smoking for a long time or I'm a deep bass singer that's sort of faded away and just imagine me with like a nice salt and pepper beard and yeah, yeah maybe maybe, si a, maybe a beret of some description. <laughs> a neckerchief. <laughs> a neckerchief, exactly. In a jazz club, smoky, dark cornered, wooden panelled jazz club. I reckon you'd fit in there. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I've never been to a jazz club. Me neither. Me neither. Mm. I think I'm referencing a Simpsons Jazz Club, actually, in my mind. <laughs> uh, but I don't know. Who knows? Anyway, Who how knows? are you, Thomas? How's life up north? 
Uh, life is good. I am uh, feeling ever more lean and mean. Uh, when I did my comp back in December, I was a sultry 121 kilograms. Oof. What's uh, the heaviest you've ever been? I was 123 when I was 13, but I got to 124 when I... Just to prove a point, like, fuck you, 13-year-old Thomas. No, no, no. I got, I got to 124 in the last week leading up into Pro Raw 11. I oh, yeah. uh, just decided, well, I was always like 117, 118, and then I was like, well, I'm going to do this comp and I can be up to 125, so I'm just going to eat like a yep. monster for the next week. Uh, so I was only that weight for like a couple of days, then I was back down to 120-ish. But I've been between one sort of between one seventeen and one twenty for the last I don't know couple of years, which yeah. is uncomfortably large for me. So yeah, yeah. This is the first time I've been. I'm now under one hundred and ten again. This is the first time I've Oof. been under one hundred and ten since two thousand and like fifteen or sixteen. Sixteen, sixteen since two thousand sixteen. So shredded and vascular and athletic. I know. There you go. I've got. I've got you such do a look big like head and a little away. Yeah, uh, <laughs> when, little when neck. you don't have a bit of extra padding on the neck there to, to fill out the head size but you sort of if you had Will Crozier traps it would be fine but you don't I know but exciting news which was gonna you know take away all my woes when our equipment gets here I bought a neck machine so I'm gonna have a neck machine and I'm gonna have the biggest fucking juiciest neck you've ever seen in your life <laughs> ask me why gonna... ask me why i bought a neck machine do it no i'm definitely not because ask me why I bought... me. why did you buy a neck machine because fuck you that's why because <laughs> i can because i wanted a neck machine that's why i bought it it's got yeah. no reason or purpose other than fucking being a neck machine i actually was have been watching a bunch of videos from juggernaut today uh one of my guys is keen to focus more on his bjj stuff and less on the powerlifting side of things and so i was He'd had a program question and I sort of did some thinking about it and I've been going through Chad's stuff because obviously he's got a ton of experience in that realm. Yeah. Uh, both prior to where he is now and, and where he is now as well. And um, they've got the... They showed a video of one of the things that he's got that's one of those uh, like halo devices that you like attached to a cable machine. Yeah. And it's got like a bearing thing in it and you yeah, end up looking like you're wearing this crazy helmet. It's called the Iron Neck. Yeah, there you go. Good. Yeah, Maybe I'll I, buy one. I almost bought one of them. They're like 400 bucks. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, they're expensive. Oh, man. Nothing says equipment. like I'm a boss than a fucking big chunky neck. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. Like, if you want to look at how yoked someone is, you're going to get a pretty good indication of how strong they are. Because I don't, I, like, I'm yet to see someone who's got a fucking Will Crozier neck who isn't someone like will crozier <laughs> like you just you can't fake a big neck i think you yeah. can get away with like training the shit out of your arms and chest and kind of getting big but not actually being very strong yeah but, but, uh, it's also one of those areas like if you're genetically blessed with a big neck you don't just get it you have to unlock it whereas like if yeah. you're genetically blessed with big calves you kind of get it automatically because you walk around yeah it's yeah. like a neck you have to unlock you have to do some training yeah, I've I've never uh, had a small neck. I've always had problems fitting into shirts that, in order to fit my neck, it's like wearing a small tent. <laughs> it's great. Sounds good. I'm, not, I'm no Will Crozier, but maybe when I get a neck machine too, we can have a neck off. Exactly. What about you? How's things uh, over that way in Canberra? Life is good. It, uh, it's gotten cold. It was like fucking eight degrees overnight. Uh, I wore a hoodie to the gym this morning for the first time oh. in a long time. Hello. 
so that is just the impending ah oh, winter is coming excellent um mm. but uh otherwise life is pretty good ticking along we're running our first group of uh, prepare to power lift at the moment which is fun it's always cool to get a new group of people in and take them through things and and you know ride on their excitement for a little while and and for me it's always fun because it's a um I sort of use these courses as like checkpoints in my uh the development of my own model mm-hmm. because it's a chance to present the model to people who are completely unfamiliar to it and and being able to tailor it to um <laughs> uh to the level of athlete and or uh experience i think is really useful um and helps me refine it as well one of the guys that's doing it is strong as fuck uh like a squatted 280 bare knees uh and like yeah it was a little bit high in a commercial gym but like has some serious fucking potential so uh he's never done a powerlifting comp before never had a coach never followed a program just kind of been a meathead for 20 years so I'm really excited to A, see him do his first comp and then B, work with him after that because he's got heaps of potential. So uh, mm. yeah, big like he'd be 130 odd kilos, but he's six foot three or something like that. So he's a big boy. And yeah, yeah, I think we'll do big things if he can hang around and, you know, in and embrace the process. Uh, mm. But he's super willing and, and really excited about learning it and has good questions and that sort of stuff. So it's always cool to see that kind of stuff. And then you know, we've got other people in the group who are completely inexperienced and have have no background in lifting whatsoever, uh, but are equally as keen to learn and, and that sort of thing. So it's cool to be able to have, especially in that scenario, have conversations that a great example of how you can scale up and scale down the, the model and the, the process, you know, like you can have a discussion about a really fine nuanced point in technical perfection for someone who's very strong and at that level. And then you can have the same discussion, but at a scale down intensity for someone who's completely new to it. I really yeah. enjoy that. Like, and I think it's really a good way to ensure that your thought process is robust and rigorous Mm-hmm. Um, because if it doesn't scale up or scale down like that, then it's probably not a very good model. 100%. No, it's always good to uh, sharpen the sword, so to speak, and um, yeah, exactly. the, like you say, test test your models and test your principles across the spectrum. It's always cool to get those uh, those monsters that don't realize they're monsters as well. It's kind <laughs> yeah, of like yeah. this half of you is, doesn't want to get all giddy and excited about it, and half of you, like, show them, oh, strength doesn't impress me. I'm the coach. I've seen it. Yeah. And the other half is like, fuck, I'm excited for Fuck, you. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. There's 100% that dichotomy for sure. Yeah. Excellent. Yes, yes, yes. So uh, one of the boys here, Yasha, shout out to Yasha. Uh, he's a water polo player. Um, Vicious he, fucking sport. Yeah, it's savage. He's Slovenian, so it kind of fits. Yeah, that, that makes sense. He's, cool. a, he's a vicious looking sort of dude. Um, <laughs> lean and mean uh, water polo machine. Uh, he he recently did powerlifting comp and then he's put the focus back into water polo for a little while. And uh, we've been having some discussions in the gym uh, about... Uh, about the big three and their impact or their applicability to sports performance, like sort of where they fit in the to the piece of the puzzle. So if you're a, you know, a cross sport athlete that's doing powerlifting and something else, how do you make the two blend together and where do you place importance on certain things? The reality is I walked down uh, just before and said, you've got 30 seconds to give me a topic. And that was the first one that came up. So uh, here we are. Uh, and, yep. But I, I know you've been doing, like you were saying before, the jiu-jitsu stuff, you've been doing yeah, yeah. a lot of um, talking to people about, uh, you know, non, 
non powerlifting sports performance. I've got a few jujitsu boys here that's been interesting to. I, I went down the same path. I, I think uh, Juggernaut or Chad produced a book ages ago. Uh, yeah, yeah. On, on now he's got an AI athlete. system that does it in a similar fashion to yeah. his powerlifting AI system. So, um, yeah, there's there's heaps of really good information out there from people like Chad who have an understanding of the the underlying principles that drive all of this sort of training and ultimately any discussion that we have about any training should adhere to those sort of principles of specificity and all of the things that encompass specificity first and foremost but then understanding what makes up the physical characteristics that you're trying to train for mm-hmm. what are the demands of the sport how technical is it like there are so many factors that go into it that it's really not as simple as the just do powerlifting and get better at sport and i know mm-hmm. i have thought like that in the past as a less mature less well-educated coach because when your only tool is a hammer everything looks like a nail uh and the more i've matured and the more i've understood not just what i do mostly which is the strength end of things specifically the powerlifting directed strength end of things but then more broadly understanding the implications of things like cardiovascular capacity uh work capacity across different energy systems you know training stresses across a week um you know managing stresses not just across a week but across a training cycle there's a lot more factors that go into it because ultimately powerlifting is really fucking simple from a sports performance standpoint like the energy system demands are relatively simple the motions that are happening are very predictable and measurable and all of those things and i think sometimes people forget that training for anything that isn't a sport that exists within the four walls of a gym is a little bit more complex and requires a little bit more nuance in terms of how you think about things and how you apply those principles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it it gets it gets interesting when you talk to people about you know coaching for sports performance or coaching for a, you know an external activity uh, because it can be very tempting and very easy to try and be the the coach of the sport rather than the coach of the strength that's applied to the sport yes um like i i, I normally get it less from coaches and more from uh athletes who are like hey i do gridiron and i see that gridiron players do this so i want to do this uh and it maybe falls outside of the scope of what we do in the gym um like you know uh i because i get down in this position and i push in this way uh i want to do that sort of stuff with a sled here and i'm like well you already do that time and time again in all the drills that you do in practice let's you know build strength in the gym so you can apply that strength to that drill that you're doing so you can get better at the specific drill so knowing where the strength piece of the puzzle fits in where the sporting piece of the puzzle fits in and which where the line is between them that you don't cross as a coach uh, is going to be important and as a as an athlete as well which lines that you don't cross in in certain settings uh, can be tricky as well i tend to fall uh, because i you know i'm guilty in the past as well of being like powerlifting is a strength sport that builds strength why wouldn't we use powerlifting to build strength um i still sit uh uh towards that uh direction in the sense of like i think squat bench and deadlift are great strength builders so a lot of people these days uh, will swing or, or get a big knee-jerk reaction to like sports performance and lifting weights and be like you don't need to squat yeah. bench and deadlift yeah you don't need to but you can and so understanding where you can fit these things in and how to work them in if you want to is a good skill to have yeah exactly and the place i always start with that is 
the discussion, like I always frame this discussion. I have it with pretty much everyone I talk to. The, the difference between powerlifting training, which in my eyes is training for the sport of powerlifting. And then that comes with it, or with that comes a, a set of uh, uh, sort of governing technical skills, rules of the sport, you know, uh, functions of how the sport works in terms of layout for a competition day, all of those sort of things that become very important considerations. And then you have the like, get strong, build the physical characteristics, right? Then you have strength and conditioning or strength training or whatever you want to call it. That is training for something that is a sport that is not powerlifting. Mm-hmm. And it's important. And I think everyone that's listening to this probably understands that powerlifting to a certain extent, strongman and certainly weightlifting are very unique from a sporting context because the entirety of this sport exists within the four walls of the gym. So everything you do in a gym is probably closer to specific sports training than it is general specific or general physical preparation. For anyone other than a barbell athlete, the stuff you do in the gym is general physical preparedness. It's preparing you to go and do the work and learn the dr- skills and, and you know run the drills and practice the sport, right? And... When you understand that, then you can understand that, like like you said, squatting, pressing, deadlifting, all those things are incredibly important because they're the sort of dominant physical patterns that you're going to go through in any sport. But recognizing that, yeah, you don't have to squat with a barbell, you don't have to bench with a barbell, but you can. The way I would then teach it is like, okay, well, if we're going to squat with a barbell, we're just not going to spend as much time drilling the technical skill in quite the same way because it's, for me, it's far more important that you're doing the work and pushing hard and and continuing to progress rather than aiming for complete technical efficiency, which is what I'm looking for from a powerlifter, is someone to continue to pursue to as close to perfect as we can get it. For the average sports lifter, I'm more interested in, like, get you good enough to work hard and not be in a position where you're probably going to hurt yourself and then just do the work. I don't want you to have to think about it in the same way because if you're spending a ton of time, at least in my eyes, if you're spending a ton of time drilling technical skill in a barbell squat and then you have to go and spend a ton of mental energy drilling positional drills in jiu-jitsu, for example, you're just doubling up on technical nuance and demand in a way that is unnecessary. Mm-hmm. So that's the sort of first port of call I have when it comes to how are we going to incorporate these? Because sometimes, like, if you just like benching with a barbell, bench with a fucking barbell. Like, mm-hmm. I, it doesn't actually matter that much. In, the important consideration is how does it then affect your ability to do all the other training? Because it's a question of priorities, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I like that approach. The, the thing that's probably different in, in the way that I do it, and in terms of, like, that technical skill aspect, it's not, uh, and I'm sure you'd... Uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Uh, the thing I do different in that in approach of like the technique is is less of a priority. I look at that as like more the improvement of technique is less yeah. of a priority. So that's, like that's more what I meant. Yeah, I know you're not saying just lift like fucking shit yeah, yeah. and go heavy no. and do the work. What you're saying is you're not going to then break down the lifts and do accessories yep. that are targeted at making you squat better because who the fuck cares? We're in yeah, the yeah, gym exactly. to get you stronger to do your sport, right? Yep. And so that, that's very much the the same way that I would approach it. And so this is where like this this attitude of like oh you don't have to we're not going to squat bench and deadlift because they're silly because they're for powerlifters or whatever. 
It's like I'm a fucking powerlifting coach and I'm really good at coaching squat bench and deadlift. So if I yep. can get this person to do a strength movement where I believe they can build the most strength in that technique, I'm going to roll with it. If yeah, I can get them to do a low bar squat comfortably and we can periodize that and get them stronger doing that as part of their overall training regime, which isn't centered around powerlifting, but just getting stronger in general, I'm going to do it if they want to squat. Yep. I'm not going to just be like, you don't need a low bar squat because you're not a powerlifter, therefore we're not going to do it. I'm going to be yep. like, the best opportunity for you to learn this skill is with me right now in my opinion yeah, yeah. let's do that like yeah. if you go to a pt or a strength and conditioning coach at your rugby club you're probably not going to get as direct a focus in an application of technique than we are right now so let's try it if your shoulders are shit who cares let's not do it we don't need yeah. to do it we can do a hack squat like yeah it's, or a front squat or a safety bar squat or like any other of like exactly. there are so many variations and that's the thing that people i think people get hung up on from the powerlifting end of things is anyone in the powerlifting world when you say squat the first thing that comes to mind is a barbell back squat (laughs) like a low bar barbell back squat probably in a belt yeah yeah and the thing is and that's the way i talk about it when i'm having this discussion about framing the idea is in powerlifting a squat means squatting with a barbell to the depth that is required in competition for Mm. maximal weight it's a sport when I talk about squatting for anyone that isn't a barbell sport athlete, I'm talking about the general vertical movement of your pelvis in space that is accompanied with knee flexion. Mm-hmm. How we load that is then a choice, right? Like we've got sandbags, dumbbells, kettlebells, a safety bar. We've got a front squat harness. We've got a, like we've got a leg press. We've got a belt squat. Like there, there are so many options that it's just about picking the one that's most appropriate to the individual. Mm. And I'm exactly the same in that. And that's where I I probably didn't frame it as well as I could have the the technical skill thing for me, it's, I want you to work as hard as you can as quickly as possible. And so if that means, Hey, like, how do you squat currently? Okay, cool. Show me that sweet. It's probably good enough. Here's a few nuance points, hit those, let's push it. Mm-hmm. If it's like, hey, I've never squatted before and I'm going to teach you to squat, I'm probably not going to start with a barbell. I'm probably going to start with a goblet squat and move to a safety bar squat because it's just, a, an e- in my head at least, an easier way to get you focused on moving really hard, like pushing hard, working hard as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. And then if at some point you want to pursue something other than just your sport or you want to learn a barbell back squat, fuck yeah, let's put it in there because it's, it's for me ultimately most importantly about you enjoying the process. Yeah. And so if that's something you want to do, let's do it. Uh, but understanding how it fits into any individual's priority schedule is the way to think about it first and foremost. Mm. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think um, there's a there's a great deal of benefit to including the big three or the big four, if you include overhead press as well, in a in a general strength and conditioning program. And I think one of the, the biggest benefit is, is, like you said, is like doing stuff the fastest. Uh, they're unique exercises in, in the sense that not only do they require um, a great deal of like neural attention in terms of coordination, in terms of skill, there are also exercises that you can load up really fast. So you can do a yep. lot of work uh, in a relatively skillful, coordinated environment, which you can carry over those attributes into other areas um, far better than you can just pushing on a machine. Machine, you can overload the work times 10, yep. right? It's going to be easier to work on a machine than in a, a freeway, um, you know, movement that you have to stabilize and control and coordinate. Um, so what we're saying is do a bit of both. Like we're, yeah. we're talking about like trying to, emphasize uh 
emphasize attributes that uh, we can build in the gym and then apply it to these specific sports. But I definitely think that um, the big three uh, movements do have a time and place uh, for, for sports performance stuff. Yeah, for sure. I, I actually lean away from like uh, strength and conditioning in the States has a big emphasis on like power cleans and power snatches yeah. and like the yeah, Olympic sort of. I, yeah. I tend to lean away from that just because it starts to sway far too much to the skill aspect. Yes. Like I get the explosiveness aspect, but we can we can develop explosiveness just by doing jumps, just by doing yep. sprints, Throws. just by other stuff. Yep. You know, why yeah, do we yeah, need that. to do these hyper coordinated, really difficult to perform, easy to injure sort of lifts? Yeah. Um, so on that point i actually talk like in the the machine to olympic lifting discussion is actually the perfect spectrum description i like i talk about with everyone i do this idea that there is an inverse relationship between the skill demand of an exercise or a task and your ability to output force and the example i always use is like hey have you ever done a leg press cool do you leg press like roughly twice what you squat most people who don't really know what they're doing in a squat are like yeah probably like, cool, that's because a leg press is about as fucking simple as an exercise gets. It's on rails, you're sitting in a chair. The limiting factor in that scenario, like you said, is, is the ability to output force from the muscular standpoint. A snatch, even a power clean done poorly is still a very technical lift that we could just get a way better benefit from having you jump, having you throw, like all of those legitimate plyometrics where you're accelerating in a way that you can't do when you have to coordinate something. And most people don't need to be taught how to throw something. You just go here, here's this med ball, throw it as hard as you fucking can into that wall. Like that, that's all I care about. I don't need much technical skill in that aspect. Maybe a positional tweak or two here or there, but for most people to learn an efficient clean and even like a clean, which is the simpler of the two really, the time it takes you to learn a good enough clean that you can stack a lot of weight on it and legitimately get an overloading training benefit out of is just a waste of time in my opinion hmm. i think it's it's a somewhat antiquated view from a training aspect like that and it's like you said it's huge in the states everyone's like oh the olympic lifts are the best power productions thing it's like yeah well like if you're an olympic lifter sure <laughs> yeah but but for anyone else i just don't want to waste the time teaching you to clean and especially if you're the sort of athlete that people like you and I see, which is for the most part what would be considered recreational or you know advanced recreational athletes, there's just the time we need to spend to teach you something like that. A, I don't know it well enough to teach it. Like I don't, I don't have enough experience in teaching cleans or snatches or any of the variations to be confident enough to charge someone money to teach them. Mm-hmm. I can show you a few things. I understand movement well enough to give <clears> you some <throat> tips, but I'm not an Olympic weightlifting coach. Instead, I go, all right, cool. Well, let's fucking have you throw this ball and push this sled as fast as you can and sprint up mm. that hill and jump over this thing and, and do all these things that are relatively simple to learn and you can work hard really quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think it's, you know, the, the, the question when you're, when you're building a program for an athlete like this or for yourself, if you are an, a, a, one of these cross athletes, is always asking that question of why am I doing this? What am I getting out of it? Yes. The hard thing with Olympic lifting or... Uh, you know those weightlifting moves um, is that it's easy to justify because it, it sounds nice it's like well it's building explosive power um, it's it's developing coordination uh, I'm able to load it up it's like it is doing all those things the next question needs to be is there a better way to do this yes um, and uh, I mean for, by the same token that that's the kind of question you should ask whether when it comes to the big three and their applicability to the sport it's like yeah. can you perform this task 
uh, to to a standard that allows you to overload it in a way that's going to be scalable, in a way that's going to be uh, as safe as anyone can know, which is a hard thing to measure, but you yes. can sort of take a guess. Yeah, I mean, you can definitely sort of assess when something is shit enough to be unsafe to, <laughs> yes. to a degree. Um, Anytime it makes you go, Ugh, yeah, is, yeah, it's probably a good indicator. Yeah, so like, can can you can you load this thing up? Can you perform it well? If the answer is yes, then you could probably fit it in. It's really hard to answer yes to that uh, to to the weightlifting moves because they're going to be limited by the load or the skill or both, and let alone the uh, movement requirement you need, the prerequisite movement you need to get into a position that is going to be able to scale upwards. Most yeah. people aren't going to have the shoulders to get into a front rack position or a no. good snatch position. Like, a, yeah, yeah, it's just and, a, and very along antiquated. The same, along the same line of thought, I think when you're asking these sort of questions, people like you and I, you know, give me pretty much any program in the world. Doesn't matter who's written it. Give me twenty minutes, and I can justify everything in that program in a way that like is like uh in line with all of the scientific principles that i would base my training on mm-hmm. and i like i could find a justification in just about everything that mm-hmm. doesn't mean that everything is then valid mm-hmm. like that's the important thing is w- with the enough knowledge and the right logical train of thought you can justify just about anything in it for gym. sure it's like you said it's about okay well i've justified it here's how it fits into the overarching plan and here's where it fits in this in the priorities could it be better Mm-hmm. Am I wasting my time here? Are there better options for what I'm trying to get out of this? And I think once you can take that next step into just being able to justify everything, because a lot of I would people I would consider to be beginner or intermediate coaches and, and trainers are very good at justifying every piece of their programming. Mm-hmm. But it's this real surface level justification that like, okay, I just like putting that exercise in and here's why I like it and here's the reasons I do it. And then when you dig a layer deeper, it's like, okay, well, you like doing it. It, it fits within your training schedule. It, it works. Is there a better approach? Is there mm. a better way to do it? Because uh, I think, as, especially as a coach, if you're asking yourself that question every time you write a program, you get to a point where actually your programs become much simpler and much easier to understand from a client perspective because they don't need this big convoluted reasoning with all of the jargon of the fitness industry buried into a seven page text explanation instead Mm. you pick like movement categories you pick work capacity zones or you know physiological characteristics you're pursuing you pick the right exercises you've got a relatively simple program that can then just be about fucking working hard yeah and that's that's the difference that i think a good coach or a good trainer will have is the ability to simplify it to the point at which it needs to be most simple and no simpler. There's a mm-hmm. great Einstein quote about says something to the effect of everything should be made as simple as possible and no simpler. Mm. Uh, and I think that's a really beautiful way of framing these conversations because if you can get to a point where every little bit is so nuanced that actually on the surface level it looks really simple and really basic mm. but when you break it right down you're like oh fuck the spider web of craziness and, and understanding that sort of fans out from this framework that I'm using is suddenly way more intense and way more useful rather than it being this like here's eight pages of justifications for why I've got this particular type of bicep curl in my <laughs> fucking climbing program or whatever you want to have. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a really interesting point. It's one thing that I've been uh, reiterating. A, a lot of my coach development groups are getting towards um, uh, 
the program design section. And when I talk about accessories, I refer to my own programming quite a lot. And I say, and, and this applies to the main list as well, I say, if you look at all my lifters programs, what you should see is an extremely narrow approach to programming. Most people's programs are going to look very similar. This is not a, a result of laziness. This is not a result of, um, you know, uh, I don't know, speeding things up or whatever. It's a result of, A, I've probably tried every accessory you can ever think of in the <laughs> book and I've arrived at what fits my system. And yeah. B, the narrower the approach is, the more consistent data that you can pull from what you're doing so yes. you can accurately pinpoint, okay, this accessory is not working the way I want it to, isn't producing the result I want. When I added this thing in, this change, when I took that thing away, that change. If you constantly change everything, if you constantly rewrite your entire program structure for every single individual person and ignore the similarities that we all share and the similarities and goals and the similarities and the fact that we're all the same animal, similarities in the, the same lifts and everything like that, and the similarities in the way that you teach the lifts you teach the technique the similarities and the kind of weaknesses that people produce if you forget all of that stuff you get no consistency in the data that you're getting you get no consistency in your results or you don't know why things are working or not working yep. so like having this simplified view of like this is here because it does this that is there because it does that uh, and being able to confidently say that's what it's going to be it's as like exactly as you said it's as simple as it needs to be and no simpler is going to be the best way to sort of uh, approach this and especially if you're a coach or a, a lifter that's venturing away from something like powerlifting and into something else that's really going to be a great attribute that you can carry with you to assess whether or not you're doing something completely stupid or not yeah exactly and i think um the the other thing that powerlifters maybe carry into training for other sports that is just not less relevant but different has to be thought about differently is the difference between like in-season and off-season work in my head in a powerlifting like an in-season is what i would consider that you know 12 to 14 weeks or whatever it is into a meet but also then if you're like another meet three months you know if you're doing states and then nationals i'd consider your season to be let's call it january to august somewhere in there right in that time you're pushing performance as hard as you can in your sport so you're trying to lift the biggest weights in the squat in the bench and the deadlift and you're really your in-season training is about pursuing performance in your sport that's exactly the same way you should think about it in training for anything that isn't powerlifting but you have to remember that your sport doesn't happen in the fucking gym. And so actually for most people, like, so I've got a 16-year-old, uh, 15, 16-year-old kid that I'm coaching at the moment who's training for powerlifting but has just started his preseason rugby stuff, has a power, he's doing our novice mate in March and then it's like switch into footy mode, right? His training is going to look drastically different because like strength is not going to be the thing that holds him back on the rugby field because he's just spent the better part of 12 months training for powerlifting. Mm-hmm. And so his in-season training in the gym is about get you feeling good, have you leave the gym, maintaining as much as you can and as much as of that strength that we've built over time as we can through a season of a sport that's fucking hard uh, and is almost the exact opposite of what you want when it comes to building strength. And so understanding that an in-season 
person, uh, an in-season athlete in a non-barbell sport probably actually needs to scale back their training in the gym. They probably need to do a little bit less volume because much like in powerlifting where in, a, in an off-season you're doing a lot of very general work, maybe you're doing more machine stuff, maybe you're doing more dumbbells and those sort of things, that general work for a non-barbell athlete is the training they're doing in the gym. And so what you'll generally see, like uh, this uh, kid who's starting his rugby season, he's got two trainings a week at the moment, no games. In a month and a half or two months, he'll have two or three training sessions a week and a Saturday game. So we're going to go from four days of lifting to probably three. And instead of it being like an upper-lower split or more broadly that sort of category, we're going to go to like three relatively full body sessions, high at the start of the week, low at the end of the week, because I want you to be fresh on Saturday for a game. And so the the balance between general and specific is similar in its approach because the, mm. the principle remains the same, right? The sports, the, the training principles are the same regardless of the sport, but you've got to remove the powerlifting goggles and recognize that everything in this gym is general and how you then prioritize the choices you make in the gym versus the choices you make in their sports training uh, is an important point to consider. For sure, for sure. The, I look at, I teach uh, people the, the a very similar thing. I just word it differently. I say that you are the accessory. As yep. a coach, as a coach doing this stuff for a, a an athlete with a, a separate sport, that's a greater priority. The gym is the accessory. What do you do with accessories when you're further away from competition? You ramp them up. You go a bit harder. You focus in on weaknesses. What do you do when you get closer to a competition? You dial everything back. You scale everything back so you can save your energy for the main event, which in our sport is the main lift. In their sport is whatever their sport is, yeah. whatever they're training for their sport is. You are now the accessory. Your job is to make sure that they don't die when they're doing their more important shit. And much. that they don't fucking get hurt in the gym. Absolutely. Like That's the biggest thing. Watching... um. Uh, what's his name? Corey Schlesinger. I can't pronounce his last name. Uh, he's got like Jordan Shallow. So I've found him through Shallow, I think. He works for the, he's a strength coordinator. I think strength coordinator is his position title for the Phoenix Suns. So he was the head of the Stanford basketball uh, program and then was, uh, and has got a job in the NBA. And I'm um, listening to him talk about like, man, these college kids, like my number one goal is that they don't hurt themselves in the gym because most of them are at a fucking crazy expensive school like Stanford. Mm. They're on a full ride athletic scholarship. And the fucking worst thing you can do for their life is to have them hurt themselves because you as a coach were too ego driven to remove yourself and those results from the, the, the equation mm. and let you let them do something they probably shouldn't have done. And I yeah. think that is hard for a lot of coaches because we are so used to measuring our pro, our success as a as a coach in the way that the results come on in terms of numbers, right? Like powerlifting coaches, your success mm. lives and dies on did they improve their squat, bench, and deadlift. <clears throat> it's much less tangible for a non-barbell athlete to measure that success. And sometimes success is like, hey, over the last six weeks – they didn't get hurt. They felt good every time they left the gym and they had plenty of capacity to play their sport. Like if you've ticked those boxes, you've done your fucking job. 
You know, it, it doesn't have to be about constantly pushing them forwards sometimes. And actually more often than not from a coaching standpoint, in my experience, it's actually about holding them back a little bit Yeah, and just yeah. like just letting them make a slightly more intelligent decision, mm. let them understand how it fits into the overall scheme of things and understand that a hundred percent foot on the gas at all times is not a sustainable mm. approach. Especially if I've got that like do or die athletic mindset where yeah. everything is balls to the wall 100%. I've had a few yeah. reasonably high level, uh, high level, you know, international sort of level sports people of various sports come in. And it's, it's, I kind of look at it like, you know, they're, they're a Ferrari. If I have a Ferrari, yeah. maybe I'll pump up the tires. I'll be confident <laughs> enough to do that or put some fuel in it. But I'm not going to lift the hood up and like try and tinker around. Whereas, you know, my fucking 98 Corolla, I can do whatever the fuck I want to. I don't care. I'll, I'll pull the alternator out and change it and pretend like I know what I'm doing because I don't care. That, that's powerlifting, right? No, yeah. not, that, not that we don't care, but we're confident enough to do stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> with these other people, it's like, you just make sure that thing's looked after. You make sure that thing yeah. doesn't trip over when they're at the gym. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that exactly. sort of approach. Anyway. And I, I think if you can remember that that's, probably actually the most important thing you can do as a coach and actually regardless of what they're doing right like i think it it actually applies whether it's powerlifting or sports training of any description the most important thing you can do is ensure that the person you're coaching enjoys what they're doing and doesn't get hurt for mm. the most part and then understanding when to push and when to pull back and and those sort of things you can then just be more intelligent about your decisions yeah. which is ultimately I think what everyone should be aiming to do is be ask better questions of yourself continue to improve your understanding of your own model and like you said not completely reinvent the wheel every time a program isn't as successful as you thought it was going to be but instead question your decisions as you go make sure that you have a, a relatively rigorous logical answer for most things that isn't just a convoluted mess of jargon and acronyms um and then I think you've got the beginnings of a potentially very successful approach. Love it. Done. Excellent. See ya.